Welcome back to That Was The Worst Podcast Ever. Thank you so much for joining us as we journey through our favorite artist, Sufjan Stevens' discography. Today, we are delving into one that Jordan made me do, and man, I'm glad he did. The BQE, but before we get to that, I want to introduce to you my friend. He's a singer-songwriter. He just released a new music video. It dropped... This week, and it's amazing, and it's called The Golden Hour? What is it called? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Obviously very memorable. <laughs> What's it called? The Golden... It's something? called Golden Ladder. The Golden Ladder. Not it's a beautiful... the Golden Ladder. It's, you sound like a dad. I've, <laughs> I've got big dad energy on this podcast. <laughs> that should be evident by now. <laughs> um, but his name is Jordan Clausen. Wonderful, sweet man, good friend, great musician and you know what i think people stumbling on the podcast for sufyan may just be like all right another guy that makes music guys jordan's actually good so oh, you got to check him out stop stop um <laughs> this is jordan's you know favorite what, part of the you know podcast. what that totally reminded me of just kind of how this is kind of like a classic parent trope and actually i had a girlfriend who used to do it so there's this place there's this coffee shop or this popular coffee shop in Vancouver called JJ Bean. And I had this girlfriend who would always call it JJ Beans. And I always was like, just, just instantly makes you like 20 years older. When you like pluralize something that's not supposed to be pluralized or put the in front of it when it's not supposed to have the. Yeah, but like, let's go to the, is she the doing McDonald's. It on let's go to the, for... the McDonald's. <laughs> <laughs> now, was she doing it on purpose for comedic effect? No, no. It was, okay, it was sincere. I would have broken up with her immediately. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah, it was more of... She had, like, real big homeschool energy. Oh, that's very sweet. I, you've, you've dated homeschoolers? I dated a, a, a one homeschooler, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and after that, I vowed never again. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. yeah. I loved uh, you did this live concert, and... You, it wasn't meant as a brag, but you said I've dated lots of wonderful women in my life. Yeah, that's true. And I thought it was funny because it's like, all right, Jordan, we get it. Ladies man over here. <laughs> oh, interesting. That's what you thought. I was more kind of being like, look, like I had like so many chances and somehow I just lucked out to keep getting more chances to date wonderful people because I'm, I was so, uh, in my 20s, I was so kind of like... Uh, afraid of commitment and just anxious yeah that was what, yeah that was supposed to be the point that's how it came across but for me i was like i think i've dated two you dated more than courtney i didn't know that well let's think when i was 13 i dated a girl in our youth group named stephanie i won't say her last name okay uh, we held hands in the church 15 passenger van and it was fireworks <laughs> that was so intense i was so scared and then after i think after the hand-holding event i was so scared i just stopped talking to her and then she broke broke up with me okay so this was kind of like this wasn't like you didn't really date this person this was like i don't i don't 
do you count people that you, that you did? Went, <laughs> I'm like, going to have to because high? that's all there is. <laughs> I have to count it because okay. otherwise there's no counting at all. <laughs> oh, that's so nice that like kind of your, that truly your first love was the person you married. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I had one or two kind of little kisses here and there, but it kisses. wasn't like little kissing. I wanted to find out what the kissing was all about. So I did that. Once or twice, and then I met my wife, Courtney. <laughs> Whoa, tell me more. Who did you kiss? Was this in Australia? No, I don't want to talk about them. Uh, I want to preserve the privacy of all those involved. Right. But um, basically, I was just... Jo- my first kiss was I was joking with this girl who is quite a bit older than me at church, and I was like, wouldn't it be so funny if we made out... And I was like, ha ha, would that be so funny? And then um, and then it worked. <gasps> so that was my first kiss was me being like, And it was a makeout just, session? Like, so funny. Yeah. Was it a makeout session or was it just a kiss? Uh it was a bit of a makeout session. Oh, nice. And then I just did that again. I just never talked to her again. <laughs> I remember <laughs> this is what I remember from that night. I drove to straight to Blockbuster and I rented Goldmember. <laughs> I watched Goldmember and I was just kind of like, well, that was, I had my first kiss and then I watched uh, Austin Powers and actually all in all, pretty awesome night. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, who doesn't, who doesn't want to round off a nice night of Mackin with, with some uh, Mike Myers. Mike Myers. Yeah. Yeah, it, but that's why when I heard you say I've had the privilege of dating a bunch of wonderful women, I was like, uh, okay, Jor, that's great for you. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm very happy. I uh, I found the woman of my dreams, and, and that's all I needed. Yeah, I get that. Yeah, I I think that my journey was a lot more um, just angst-filled, and now I look back, I'm like, why was I so, uh, why was I so angsty? I think, you know, there's like this, there's this big kind of cultural mythology around kind of finding the one and, you know, kind of like finding the person that makes you, you or something. <laughs> and I, even <laughs> though I, I think that I, I'm pretty self-aware and I think about that stuff, I still just totally fell for it, you know, for a long time. I, I thought that like I was really actually like looking for someone who would complete me and that it would kind of it's like, oh, it shouldn't be so much work. That's what I would always tell myself in my head. It's like, no, it's going to be work, you dummy. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And in kind of this poetic thing in Goldmember, <laughs> uh, Dr. Evil says to mini me, you complete me. Oh, yeah, that's true. So it all comes together. Yeah. <laughs> um, so did you ever do this? I remember in my time there in Youth with a Mission, we had times of intercession. And during intercession, if you're outside of the Christian world, is is kind of a fancy word that we say for praying for things other than ourselves. Yeah. Um, but... My it was my friend's turn to lead intercession, and he he got up to, to the front, and he goes, "Okay, so Jeremiah twenty nine says, for I know the plans I have for you, blah blah blah." And then he just looks at us all, and he goes, "Today we're praying for our future spouses." Oh no! <laughs> and then he led us 
in a prayer time. And like we were all single at the time, so we had no idea who they were. We just spent like 45 minutes like praying for it. And it's things like that that truly make me cringe. Oh, baby. Yeah. Did you ever have moment like a journal where you're like, wherever you are out there, I'm praying for you? Yes. Oh, man. I, I did. I, I journaled a surprising amount when I was young, and I find them sometimes, and it is truly horrifying. Like, <laughs> I mean, it's okay. What I mean, that's just what we were living it, in. Right? Is it okay? Like, I don't know. My mom, I remember my mom would tell me, you can ask for specific things for your future spouse. First of all, like, <laughs> why are you even assuming that I'm going to get married? You know, it's this that, like terrible yeah. Protestant culture where it's like, you must start a family. Like, there, there is no two ways about it basically yeah the unfortunate byproduct is being like a 22 year old and being single and being like will i ever get married (laughs) i will be single forever i'm already 22 and you're like looking at these 19 year old dummies that are all married and you're like i'm so old (laughs) (laughs) yeah and there's so much pressure that's where it's wrong because it's the assumption that everybody has to be married in order totally It's like the greatest will of God is that you might be married, which is so funny because it's not. Yeah. It's not even like biblical, really. Yeah, totally. I I remember I like kind of asked, oh, what, what did I ask for specifically? It was like, she's like, you can ask for like physical things. <laughs> Which is terrible. This is, great. this is great. Your mom, I love. I can't. I can't She's like, for pray for me. Big... Your mom, like, Jordan, you can pray for the physical. <laughs> I'm dying at this one. What a fun conversation with your mom. Oh, I know. And so I think I was just kind of like, heck, heck, please. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's just don't tell a little boy like. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, it's just like your mom's so rad. We got to say that. Yeah, she's awesome. She would be your mom's she'd great. She'd be very embarrassed now that that's what she did. Yeah, but, I I think she would equally be as appalled by it as, yeah. as we all are. But there is something funny to be like. I'm gonna teach my little son how to objectify his future <laughs> wife already. Yeah. <laughs> oh. um, have. Have you gotten out your journal entries and read them to Olivia? Um, yeah, one of our, well, you know, like with a couple of glasses of wine with some of our friends, sometimes we'll like pull out our old, or I mean, if it's at my place, then I'll pull out my old journals and read because it was so melodramatic. Like, <laughs> oh man, I, I wrote one actually on September 11th, a journal entry. Oh, Jordan. <laughs> and it was like, um, it was like, Wow, I wrote this today because I knew someday I'm going to look back and think this was very significant. <laughs> um, at, at, at basically, but the worst part is at the end, I go, I don't know what's, I, I'm praying for America right now. I know that George W. Bush is a godly man. I also know he's going to absolutely kick whoever did this is ass. <laughs> <laughs> It's too good to be true. It's so good. Did you really say ass? Yeah, I did. I was always kind of like, I always wanted to be like an edgy Christian or something. Wow. Yeah. He's a good godly man. But also, I know he's going to go kick some ass. (laughs) (laughs) And you know what, Jor? He did. 
Yeah. He really Mission did. accomplished. <laughs> he did it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Committed some more crimes along the way, but... <laughs> <laughs> but hey, that's who we loved back then. Good Christian men that could kick some ass. Yeah, that, that's true. I'm pretty sure I just read Wild at Heart. So. <laughs> I never read that book. I oh. refuse... I, you know... A lot of the feedback I get on this podcast are actually from ex-Christians that happen to be Sufjan fans, uh. which I kind of like. But um, if you're not in the Christian world, Wild at Heart was just this book about like being a godly man. I never read it because I was like, I'm never going to fit whatever. I'm like, I don't fix cars or go yeah. mountain climbing. I was it, like, I'm was, never going to read it that book. It was immensely misogynist. It, it's it's a, actually... I mean, in my opinion, anyway, just a toxic, toxic book <laughs> that no yeah. one should read. It's crazy that even in my youth, I was just kind of like, eh, I don't need that one. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Did you get into I Kiss Dating Goodbye, the Joshua Harris book? I didn't, no. That's good. Yeah. that That's also just weird. Like, I, I yeah, there's just, anyway, we I don't want to just be a cynic, but there's just so many fads that are just so obviously damaging and i don't know i don't know why I, every i mean i was just a kid at the time i guess but sometimes i ask my parents like why did you just jump on board every new thing that came through the window you know yeah i just talked to my mom about that yesterday and she was like oh i feel kind of bad and i just go you know this was this was the 90s i don't know yeah it just how i'm like there's stuff now that i'm sure my kids will be like i can't believe you we're on board with that. Yeah, and I'm sure. I'm sure. So a lot of grace. Grace for you, my mommy and daddy. Grace for Jordan's mommy and daddy. You did the best you could. Yeah. But here we are, 35 years old. We got to unpack it on a podcast. That's basically how you deal with these things. Yeah. Um, but one thing I am wondering is, did you have like a list that you wrote as a little prepubescent little freak that was like <laughs> all your like she's gonna be like this and she's gonna be like have you ever read that to olivia um i don't i think mine were all like very pious in the in my journals they would be like um please help her to love the lord with all her heart and all her strength and all her mind that kind of thing yeah um like i remember in my mind being like um she should be like extraordinary beautiful extraordinarily beautiful <laughs> <laughs> goodness gracious yeah hey, she's got to be extraordinarily beautiful <laughs> have you read that to olivia no they're not really condensed it was kind of just like a theme of my childhood my mom talked about that a lot preparing for your future spouse yeah yeah uh courtney found a list that she wrote about her future spouse and I'm proud to put this out on the internet and say this to everyone listening. I nailed almost every point, baby. Really? I think so. Except for what? One was really, one point, the only one I remember is she wrote studious. Oh. And I was like, studious? And she was like, I don't know. I, I what, about, uh, some, what about with that point where she wrote, I want someone who doesn't have a pasty, doughy body? <laughs> <laughs> that one hit hard. And then I was like, I need to chisel, chisel my physique for you, my love. Did she have anything physical on her list? Probably like handsome or mm. whatever mm -hmm. dumb thing. Yeah. 
Well, it's kind you, of funny you writing that. that like, she's got to be incredibly gorgeous because it's like, well, so do you. It's like if you're <laughs> going to have somebody totally incredibly gorgeous to marry, look in the mirror. But that's not what evangelicals think. That in some ways, like in the evangelical story, you are the center of the universe. <laughs> so, Jordan, you are in the middle of scoring a film. Mm-hmm. Do you want to talk about it? Yeah, I um, I'm score. I mean, I I've been doing some more scoring, and I've got a few lined up for some made-for-TV movies, and uh, it's really fun, kind of creative endeavor. It's it's less it's less um expressive and more like kind of putting some puzzle pieces together which is really fun Um, and it's a little apropos of our episode today because it's this is like your bqe yes exactly it's like (laughs) um i have a traffic jam of movie content (laughs) just kidding no i uh yeah i i guess no it's 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 only really like the bqe in that it's a film that Sufjan scored. Other than that, there's really no other it, parallel. You don't have creative say. You have to just watch a movie and then put some music to there it. There is some creative say. It's just a very different thing than, say, like writing a song. It's more... Because when I'm writing a song, I, I'm, the first thing I'm thinking is, like, what do I have to say? And what do I want to talk about? And what do I want to reveal? And I think with this, especially with, like, something that's more, like a traditional style like made for TV movie. It's more like, uh, um, sorry, I can hear like screaming in the background. <laughs> I know. Sorry. I'm recording this in my office, which is also in a school. So you're going to be hearing. Some, oh, oh, I see. That's some fine. of the students. That's fine. Um, uh, I was going to say, yeah, this is a little bit more kind of like, okay, it's, it's, it's a hundred percent about serving the, the content and serving the scene. It's not so much about me being like, what can I say, you know? I, I want to encourage you to insert your voice okay. into the film okay. and be like, oh, that's cute. Yeah. Okay. Like, or like add some lyrics. Right. You know, that would be my encouragement. It's like, this is so awkward. She just met her ex-boyfriend on the sidewalk. <laughs> yeah. Do like literal tellings and see what the studio says. How come no one has ever done that in a score? I think that'd be really great. It's like, oh no, there's someone hiding under the bed. <laughs> <laughs> and it, there's no instruments. It's just using it. Yeah. It's an interesting behind the scenes of a... a um, a full-time musician is you have these gigs that actually pay the bills, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. How, so you're, you kind of survive by doing these side projects and then your music is more like about fulfillment and stuff, but it's not like, it's not like any moderately successful musician is really able to live off of it these days. Um, I do kind of live off it, actually. This is kind That's of cool. This has been more the result of, um, like, uh, just COVID and not being able. There's a, uh, my hands are kind of tied as far as what I can really do, as far as promoting, um, traveling. Uh, but this is also really great too. Like, I mean, sorry, let me put this another way. I'm just saying that like this is a great. This is. A great way to like pay the bills while COVID's on, and I'm very lucky that I've been able to. 
Yeah. yeah. And we won't say the name of the movie, but uh, let's just say if you're watching a movie on TV and you feel the hairs on the back of your neck stand up, it could be Jordan behind yeah, it. It's true. It could really be anything. Am I scoring the latest Netflix docuseries? Who knows? Am I scoring, um, I don't know, like P- a PBS like after school special? Not going to say. Is it an infomercial of a copper pan that they melt? plastic onto it might I don't be know. it might be um i've been watching these youtube documentary stories on like one hit wonders in the 90s mm-hmm. vice has been putting them out like they did one on the thong song and then they did another one on papa roach's uh last resort it's really interesting though how some people just accidentally put out a song that explodes and then their life changes completely overnight. Yeah. But they never write another song that anybody likes ever again. Yeah. Would you, let me pose this to you. Would you rather have that or have the life you have now? <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I don't, I think I would rather have that. You would, like, let's just say the equivalent of the thong song, you stumble across it, and then that's your legacy for the rest of your Justin, life. Justin, I, I would never write the thong song, though, right? I, I, <laughs> but you might have to to get... No, that, like, okay, it, there's so many hypotheticals here. Like, if it was, like, a song I wrote and liked that, that blew up, but it was a one-hit wonder, I would take yeah. that. But oh, okay. I, I wouldn't take, like, writing one shit song... <laughs> just to be famous and yeah i would not do that i would keep my life now but if, if it was like something i actually liked like i don't to me it's not i think the funny thing about that is that people assume that the person who wrote the song is like shooting to be like a superstar or something whereas yeah. like i'm not really shooting for that i really don't care about that however if i could pay my bills and like have like financial security to continue kind of doing what i wanted that i would take that Okay, well, I'm going to caution you, Jor, because I don't know if Cisco's that happy these days. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if he's doing that. Have you ever heard the rumor that he worked at a La Senza in West Edmonton Mall? No, really? I tried to verify it and Google it, but it was like this urban legend that he worked at an Edmonton La Senza. Wow. Well, I know some of the guys from the Moffats, who, if you don't know, are a, were a popular Canadian band in the 90s to early 2000s yeah like a canadian hansen yeah yeah well i know some of them were one of them works at a la senza in calgary i think really yeah maybe la senza is kind of like a nightclub where they're like hey cisco's got the thong song let's get him in to sell some thongs let's make this work and cisco's like i'm not doing anything yeah i mean cisco's still got to pay the bills do you think the thong song's paying a lot of royalties these days Oh, well, here, if you want to watch the Vice documentary, I recommend it. But in the song, he says, you got me living la vida loca, which is a Ricky Martin riff. Okay. And Cisco never cleared it with Ricky Martin. And so Ricky Martin's people sued them. <gasps> and they said, let me just put it this way. Ricky Martin makes more money off of that song than any of us do. Can you believe that? Oh, that's so sad. Do you want to Just know? because Cisco has that one little riff. So 
Ricky Martin gets more money from that song than oh, Cisco. Oh, that's so sad. You know, there's there. I mean, there's lots of stories like that in the music industry, but there's another famous one. You know that song, Bittersweet Symphony. I love that song. Yeah. Are they the Verve or the Verve Pipe? I can't remember. One of those. Yeah. Anyway. There's a lot of different legends around it, but the one I heard, which I have, I think is the most verifiable, is uh, basically they were in the studio and they were gonna use, uh, they they loved it, that that dun, 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 dun. Mm-hmm. that's a Rolling Stones violin piece. And, oh, that's Rolling Stones. Yeah, they, and so oh, okay. they already knew they were gonna use it, and they had already kind of put a put a deal forward with Rolling Stones where they were gonna give them a percentage and stuff. Um, and so they went into the studio and tried to like replicate that dun 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 part, and they <laughs> yeah. just couldn't. They were like, it just doesn't feel the same. And so they actually, uh-huh. so they went to the Rolling Stones and were like, can we just use the original sample? And the Rolling Stones were like, sure, but then we own a hundred percent of the song. And so, <laughs> so <laughs> now the, that's that's another one hit wonder. I think um, uh, maybe they had another. No, that that certainly is their only song. I'm yeah, sure. and so they don't re- they don't collect any money from it. So they have this huge international hit and make nothing, and then they just disappear. Well, from the publishing anyway. So because uh, a song is like legally divided into like kind of two legal to two, two legal parts. So there's the master, which is the recording. Yeah, and the publishing, which is like the intellectual rights. So, I think that the Rolling Stones own all the intellectual rights. Man, the rich just get richer as yeah. the principal. Yeah. Man. Oh, this reminds me of another thing. This past uh, week, um, Courtney and I took our girls to a bunny hill, and we taught them how to snowboard. Uh-huh. It was really fun. Are you a boarder, George? Just quickly. Do you snowboard? I get down uh, I get down in the powder, man. I knew you'd shredded pal pal. <laughs> stupid. <laughs> I feel stupid. <laughs> So anyway, we were shredding it up. We're driving home. Kids are falling asleep. I got my Spotify open, and I go, what do I want to listen to? And from the deep, dark holes of my memory banks, I go, I want to listen to Stan by Eminem. Nice. Classic. I put Stan on. Yeah. I cannot believe that song exists. And let me, let me just pose this to you. It's Eminem writing about a hypothetical fan, and then he hypothetically writes back in the end, but he's so, he's basically built up this totally hypothetical scenario that makes Eminem seem like the greatest person ever. (laughs) That's why I'm like, is this real? So at the end, Eminem's like, hey, Stan, I really meant to write you. I just got busy. Thanks for writing me. Here's a signed ball cap for your brother. And I'm just like, this is Eminem writing a hypothetical about himself, but like making him look the best way possible. Like, I included a hat in there for your your brother. Mm. It's just like, and then I, I honestly thought, I'm going to ask Jordan to write, like, what if you wrote a song about one of your fans? Like, it would be so vain, wouldn't it? Yeah, I mean, it would be vain, but... I don't think it's the same because mine would be like, hey, I love putting your, I love clicking on your, I love that one song you did. I put it on in the morning when I'm making my coffee. That would be like a super fan for me. 
I know, but it's all hypothetical. So you could just have a fan do anything. Just be like, I just put out a song about how this fan loves me so much. They right. drove off a bridge, which is what Eminem did. But there's no there's no true stories in I mean there there are true stories, but there aren't a lot of true stories. Most most stories in songs are hypothetical. Most of the songs are kind of like inspired by something. Like like this artist that I really like called Andy Schaff, he writes this song um called well, he has a song called Wendell Walker that a lot of people love. It's like one of his classics. Yeah. Uh, Wendell Walker was a friend of yeah. mine. <laughs> <laughs> and uh i mean actually i don't know if i he, i actually were i actually know andy and he has told me that that's actually inspired by like something that actually happened to him that's obviously not him and it's not and doesn't end in a murder suicide like in the song but right it's more kind of like oh there was this interesting kind of jealousy situation and it made him really uncomfortable which is fine but andy schaff doesn't end this song like then I intervened and I saved the day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. <sighs> well, Jordan, should we take a break? Let's take a break. Okay, and when we come back, we're looking at Sufjan Stevens' unconventional release, the BQE. Brooklyn Bones Expressway. Um, the Brooklyn, the Brooklyn Queens, um, Expressway. <laughs> Welcome back to the wonderful podcast called, this was, that was the worst podcast ever. <laughs> I don't even know the name. Um, so... Here we are talking about the BQE. This is um so I I mean Justin's going to tell his side of this story, but um basically he only wants to do the records that he knows and loves. And I've kind of put my foot down, especially since okay, let's just get this on the table. Um we skipped Enjoy Your Rabbit at the beginning and I've gotten a lot of like angry mail about it. People are like Yeah, it's all I ever hear about. Yeah. They're like, this is an important part of the catalog. You should have dived into it. You should have um, kind of investigated it, but we didn't. And so Justin wanted to skip BQE. <laughs> okay, hold on. Full disclosure. <laughs> I said, let's hit those hit those banger albums. And then if there's still fuel in the tank, we'll go back. We'll do the EPs. We'll do the little the BQEs and all that. Yeah. And I said, no, I think just like as a discipline, I think it's kind of fun to, especially with someone who has a, a, an, a, an extensive catalog as Sufjan, I think it's worth actually engaging with every record, um, which is to my credit. Um, here's a signed ball cap. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Turns out it was you. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> That's how that song ends. It's so funny. Yeah. Um, no, but you were right. We shouldn't have skipped Enjoy Your Rabbit because the amount of online hate that I endure, just kidding. No, everybody would be like, great podcast, but you shouldn't have skipped Enjoy Your Rabbit. It's actually really good. And I think you're right. If we're looking at Sufjan Stevens, we're telling the story of the man and the BQE is part of his story. And I got to say, Jordan... Um, it may not have made that much of an impression on me when it came out, but coming back to it, letting it breathe, 
giving it some time, I actually go, you know what? This isn't bad. Yeah. I And yeah. I shouldn't have skipped. You're right. We need to talk about the BQE. So we're here to talk about the BQE. Mm-hmm. It's Sufjan Stevens' um, album about the Brooklyn Queens Expressway. It's like a little jammed up overpass place in Williamsburg or something. Um, Jordan, I'm not a New Yorker. I'm a. I'm proud to be from the West Coast. I'm from Los Angeles, the sunny hills of Los Angeles, the beaches, New York. I don't know anything about it. I've never been there. You, though, have. You are basically like, hey, I'm walking over here. <laughs> I think that is actually a post I made. I heard. I hear that when you're in New York, you're like, hey, I'm walking. Here. Yeah, I just. I, I actually just walk around trying to get hit by taxis so I can say that. <laughs> hey. Smack but the hood. Yeah. This is a huge record screech moment. You huh? have been you should on put that the in BQE. <laughs> you should definitely put the <laughs> in there. <laughs> yes, I have been on the BQE. Uh, I, I've been to New York probably maybe like six times, six or seven times. And, uh, yeah, usually it was on tour. I think there was a couple times where there was actually one time where I went to audition for a Broadway play. Oh, wait. wait, Yeah, didn't you? Oh, my gosh. uh, It's all coming back to me. Didn't you audition for Peter Parker on the Spider-Man Broadway show? I did, yeah. Wow, you just had big old aspirations. Yeah, I, it was really weird. I was, my manager emailed me and was like, hey, um. This was quite a few years ago because obviously, in the end, the um, the musical was canceled because of it was so many people got injured. <coughs> um, anyway, but my manager emailed me like, "Yeah, some people in in New York emailed me, asked me if you would want to come in and 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 audition for the part of <laughs> Peter Parker." And later, I found out like I have some other friends who are like male singer-songwriters who also got emails. So I think it was just kind of like a bit... They probably sent out thousands of emails. This is what I love. You you come home from New York and you're like, I just auditioned for Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark. And yeah. everybody's like, oh, we got that email. We just disregarded it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I told my parents, my parents were like, you got to go. They're like, we'll help you pay for your ticket. I was like, so you flew to New York just to audition? Yeah, for... and I had a friend who lived there, so I could stay with her, and so, it, yeah. It That's was... pretty sweet, though. Yeah, and so I, here's the thing, though. I was like, I was like, oh, singing. Like, I got the singing in the bag. Like, I sing for a job, so I I learned the songs, but I was just kind of like, whatever. But what I was really all about was like, there was two scenes with lines. And so I was like, <laughs> just spent all my time trying to act these scenes. And oh man, I learned them like the back of my hand. And I got there. And first of all, <laughs> I get to this, it's in Manhattan. I like walk into, it's like classic movie scene or something. I walk into the building and I'm like, hey, uh, I'm Jordan Clausen. I'm at the front desk. She's like, okay. She's, she has no <laughs> idea who I am. I was like, oh yeah, I'm, uh, I'm here to audition for Peter Parker. And she's like, oh, here, go in that room. And there's literally a room of like a hundred young white men sitting there waiting to audition. I was like, oh, this is not what I thought it was. So anyway, I wait for a while and then I go in and I am more nervous than I've ever been. Like 
there's, you know, it's like, it's like in a show where there's like this table and there's all these like really flamboyantly dressed people. It's like, it's like I'm in the Hunger Games or something. (laughs) And they're like, okay, sing this, this song. And I'm like, okay. uh, Yeah. I thought I was going to be acting in my head. I was thinking, I thought I was going to be acting, but I'll sing the song. I sing the song. Bono wrote it. So it's like super like, and (laughs) I forget the words to the song. Oh no. And they're like, okay, it's okay. Start again. Start again. It's like, oh, Uh, and then I forget the words again. And they're like, are you okay? Do you need to take a second? I was like, no, let me do it one more time. For, I can't remember the words. So they're like, okay, thank you. And I just leave. But let me tell you the relief I felt when I walked out of that. Because there's this yeah. weird thing about, like, opportunity in, I think, in, like, the West, in North America. It's like, you you got it, you know, you miss 100% of shots you don't take. So there's this obligation. But I was kind of like, I don't really even want to do this. But <laughs> I was like, it, it's like basically my whole life would be like devoted to like stunts and like, cause you, you, it's all like stunts in, you know, like they, yeah. they like tie you up on the, the, the wires and stuff. And you're like, cause it's Spider-Man. And, yeah. um, anyway, so I walked out and just was so relieved. I was like, Oh, I don't have to do this. And it's not that like I thought I would actually get the part, but I was just kind of like, Oh, this is over. Like the worst would have been if, if I would have gotten like a call back and I had to wait like, a month or something it's like oh what what's gonna happen oh yeah did you hear anything after that no no you just they just didn't contact you again no yeah you were just another faceless person that they saw that yeah <laughs> but honestly kind of cool that you went out and did it yeah and w- did you then go i gotta clear my thoughts i'm gonna go find the bqe that sufjan wrote an album about exactly so then i rent this big van and just start and i get just caught in traffic on the bqe i'm sitting there and i have a good cry i think about no this isn't even a funny <laughs> funny lie um no so any, i like it the anyway so i have been on the bqe i remember actually being like oh there's a sign that says brooklyn queen's expressway I'm pretty sure I've driven on it lots, actually. And I was just kind of like, oh, this is kind of unremarkable. But I, I think if you lived there, it would make more sense. You know, like, it's kind of, it is kind of weird. There's lots of, like, exits and it's winds around a lot. And there's always traffic. Um, and it's kind of notoriously terrible stretch of road. Yeah. So I think it probably has more more significance to New Yorkers than it does to people, like, living in Calgary, Alberta. Yeah, and... This is something interesting about Sufjan is he lives in New York. He's a New Yorker. I mean, he's from Michigan, obviously, but all of his recording, his apartment, all of that is in New York. And so I go, man, we never got that New York 50 States album, but but we did. We got the BQE. This is the closest to a New York 50 States album we're going to get. Yeah, and I remember when it came out, everyone was kind of like, maybe this is the New York album. (laughs) (laughs) And, but I, uh, here's, here's something that, um, I agree with you. So the record is really good. Actually. I spent some time with it this week. Uh It's really beautiful. And also it's not that inaccessible. I thought, no, that was one thing that stood out to me. I was kind of like, when I was younger, I was like, what is this like totally abstract nothingness? Right. But it isn't like that. It's actually like 
quite accessible. There's the intro song, which is like a long kind of dissonant noisiness. But it's actually right. just kind of like a uh, modern classical composition. Like, it's not so crazy. Well, it's funny because I, sometimes I might listen to instrumental music a lot if I'm studying or, or whatever. And this week I realized, why wouldn't I have the BQE in lined up for, for chilled out study or whatever? Because it, it, it sounds kind of like a movie soundtrack. It, 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 and it's it's Sufjan. It has his trademarks on it, and the story behind it is, I think, is compelling and it's interesting. And I think doing an episode on the BQE is important because it lets us in on a little bit more about how Sufjan works. Because if you're following our podcast, so we just did the Avalanche that was 2006. Now with the BQE, we're getting into 2009, right? Yeah. So this comes out in 2009. He does it as a live production. So it's meant to be, I think, an art piece where he has film of the BQE going with the orchestra and you could see it live. And then he releases it as an album. Also, he releases the short films. He releases like a big comic book, which I've never seen, but he puts a lot of effort and design and work. There was choreography with people dancing and doing hula hoops. Mm -hmm. he, he devotes probably a good, at least a year of his life to this project that nobody really asked him to make and nobody really wanted. wanted. Everybody wanted the follow-up to Illinois. And then in we're talking the last time we hear from Sufjan is 2006. Now it's 2009 and we get the BQE. And what's really interesting, Jor, is at, in our timeline, this is the first Sufjan release. So uh, we were both in different countries listening to Sufjan. BQE comes out. We're both together in Canada when this thing comes out. And I remember you saying to me, hey, it's really... I remember this, Jor, in 2009. Huh. You go... Yeah, it's great, but if it wasn't Sufjan, it would just kind of be an amateurish um, uh, composer. I remember that's what you said back in 2009. Huh. Do you still stand by that? Uh, no, no. I, I, I'm <laughs> Can you believe you had such a harsh critique in 2009 of this? I think I was probably disappointed. That was probably an emotional reaction, but... No, I, I don't agree because I don't, I, I mean, I do, uh, first of all, I think, I, I was reading the Pitchfork review back from 2009, and they kind of talk about how, like, it's pretty crazy that, like, a songwriter took this, like, this is a lot of work. Like, yeah. it's, it's a lot of music to, to score, and then, you know, like, you know, that kind of composition is, there's a lot to, to work through. You're working with an orchestra, and yeah. 
Um, so I think that it is remarkable. And I also think that it is distinctly Sufjan. I don't think it just sounds like any old, you know, composer scored a yeah. movie. Um, in that sense, though, I guess I don't know if it's that if the music to me is that like compelling. I, I think mm -hmm. it's like it, it is. It's a great listen, easy listen, actually. But it's not like I'm like, wow, what a work of art or something. Well, it's 40 minutes of Sufjan instrumental. And yeah. it's interesting because he always has his instrumental tracks like on Illinois and Michigan. And it seems like a part of his artistic expression that he really likes. And so it, this is what I find it interesting in the Sufjan story is instead of of giving the who knows what what album we could have got in 2009 if he gave into all the pressures to follow up Illinois if he actually did another 50 states album yeah it might have actually been a total disappointment i think he this is my assumption and he can call in and correct me if i'm wrong but He's probably like, I don't want to deal with the expectations and the weight of an Illinois follow-up. What would I want to do? I want to challenge myself. I want to do something totally unexpected. And I read a quote where he said, I, I chose a subject matter that I am not in. So he's not personally tied to it. And he said, and I took away my strongest uh, songwriting crutch, which is lyrics. Yeah. So he basically does it just to challenge himself. And this is, as a Sufjan fan, I go, well, he is different to a typical singer-songwriter. He can actually compose music. Yeah. And he can write parts. And, and so whether you... 2009 Jordan Clausen is just an amateurish whatever. Uh, I disagree with you, my friend back then. <laughs> it's actually like, well, this singer-songwriter that we all love, he did a full-on composition show based on one one stretch of road in in new york and it's interesting to me that he did it yeah i agree and it was purely it sounds like just to challenge himself and to grow as a musician and as an artist yeah yeah totally i i was gonna ask what what do you think he was doing between 2006 and 2009 was he just writing this well it's Interesting because then we're getting into Age of Odds territory where, and we'll talk about that more on that episode, but he apparently gets ill and is really sick and is struggling to produce anything. Oh, interesting. So I think, yeah, I don't know. Hmm. Uh, I mean, we have All Delighted People, EP, and Age of Odds, and we have the BQE, but between 2006 and 2009, what was going on? I think he was dealing with this newfound shot of fame that Illinois gave him and probably just didn't quite know what to do with it and found this relief in what if I did something that so subverts everyone's expectations so that they have to judge it alone from Illinois. They can't compare it to Illinois. They have to judge it on its own. And it was kind of an immersive experience. It was something you could go see if you lived in New York. And I... I think ultimately what I love about the BQE is it shows us Sufjan's dedication to just being an artist, yeah. not necessarily being what everybody wants him to be. Yeah. 
is I think he values the art that he creates in growing as an artist. And that's, so the BQE to sit with the BQE, I just go, it's, it makes me like Sufjan more because he's kind of like, no, I'm not going to just keep following the path to fame and just do another 50 States album and follow the same formula as Illinois. Yeah. And he continues to do that with age of odds and so forth. Totally. I, I actually think that he is pretty rebellious in some ways. Like I know that a lot of kind of, I mean, I don't know a lot, tons of people in the industry, but people who I do know in the industry who are kind of like industry people, they almost kind of like resent people like Sufjan. It seems. Yeah. They're, or, or they're like, he's merely an exception, you know? Yeah. Because he really like the, what he, the way he did things was really not the way you're supposed to do things. Like you're not supposed to put out like, you know, the indie record of the decade and then, you know, follow it up with just like this, like instrumental, cl like modern classical EP that's about like a highway, about a dirty ass highway. Yeah. You know, that's <laughs> yeah. not, that's not the way that it's done. And I'm sure that like people who operate in that, and I know that people who operate in that world were probably just like beside themselves. Like, what is he doing? He's ruining it. Um, and that, and that's actually what's really interesting about the industry versus like artists is that there's all these people kind of trying to predict how to make things work and what, what the formula is. Yeah. Um, but there kind of is no formula and everyone's just arguing about something that kind of just doesn't exist. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And it's interesting because I think as an artist, you either rebel from what people want you to do and you do the opposite, which is a motivation, or or you cash in on it and you, you're like, yeah, I'm just going to lean into that. That's my thing and I'll cash in. I'm not sure if this is either of those, though. Mm. And this is what I really appreciate about Sufjan. I don't think this is him rebelling. I think this might be him doing exactly the thing he wants to do regardless of of anything. I don't think it's a reaction to Illinois. I'm not sure if it, I think he just wanted to make an art project on the BQE and maybe, you know, I don't know about you, but you, you release a lot of stuff that's very personal. And a part of me felt like he wanted to do something that, that wasn't personal at all. He's, his voice isn't in it. His story isn't in it. Yeah. It's just stretching him as a musician. And so I like to think that it's not even Sufjan reacting to what people want. It's just him simply following his own intrigue, which I think is way more compelling than just being reactive or just giving in to what people want. Yeah, I agree. I agree, actually. that That's a good point. He's not just playing his fan base. You know, he's not kind of like just trying to be like, hey, what am I going to do next, guys? <laughs> yeah. I think he really I think you're right. He is really kind of attentive to his own kind of artistic uh uh process and what what he needs and what he wants and what's going to what's going to make the best thing. Um Do you th think there's an alternative timeline where Sufjan is way more famous than he is? Is that a is that a a fan theory? No. Oh. It's just an honest question of do you think he makes some different decisions and he might be, I don't know, the Mumford and Sons or something. 
Oh, I see what you mean. I mean, because I was going to say, he is very famous. Like, he played at he, the Oscars. He's not, he's not like, <laughs> yeah. he's not really indie anymore. Like, indie people would love him to be. Yeah, he is really famous, but he doesn't get radio play, I guess. Is that what I'm Yeah, you what mean I'm like, he's, like he could have been a pop star or something. Yeah, like he could have been Mumford and Sons. If, let's say, if he just totally gives in to all the expectations, he does another 50 States project, he tries to do another Chicago, let's say. Yeah. You know, but I'm not sure if that's the Sufjan that, I don't know. I just, I think, <laughs> I like the Sufjan we have in our timeline, is I think what I'm trying to say. Yeah, I don't think, I don't know if that would have ever happened for him because I don't think that's the nature of it. It's, like we've talked about in previous podcasts, it's more about the investment of being part of his story and being part yeah. of the story of someone who's taking risks. Like that's that's in the very nature of it. If he was just pumping out like, you know, banjo kind of like like coffee shop songs only to make the dough, I don't know if I just don't think he'd be famous. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. And uh well, should we have a listen to some of the BQE? Yeah. So I quite enjoyed the movements for sure. And Movement 1, I actually really like. Let's just have a little listen to Movement 1. I remember you mentioning, Jor, how much you like Sufjan's piano playing. Mm -hmm. And from what I understand, when the orchestra was playing, it's Sufjan on the piano. That's just what I've seen in video and stuff. Mm -hmm. So I'm assuming that we're listening to Sufjan on the piano, which I agree, Sufjan playing piano is great, which is what we're hearing here. Yeah, he's amazing. So is this like, you know, is this gonna be the most popular Sufjan music? No, but I mean, put this on when you have a bit of work to do or when you wanna focus on something, it's, awesome and it's really beautiful mm -hmm. and i think that it has this um it's not like a lot of i find a lot of modern classical music which i mean which i love it's probably the thing i listen to the most often but or oh, wow. um or you know like neoclassical like like um, nils from or something it's beautiful but it's off, often like kind of dark and um very kind of melancholy and ice like feels almost kind of isolated in a way or it yeah. brings sense of isolation and this is more to me feels a little more kind of like it has moments that are really i, I don't know anything about classical music so i'm i'm a real life person talking here but it feels a little bit more like there's like kind of classic classicalness in it and then there's like some mm -hmm. really triumphant moments you know and mm -hmm. like some like some of it's kind of bombastic which feels mm -hmm. more like you know, old school classical like stuff that you hear on like the CBC on CBC two during the day. Um, mm -hmm. It's not it's not only kind of just moody stuff, which which I like. It's yeah, yeah. It it strangely enough reminds me a little bit of the "Call Me by Your Name" soundtrack, which I know Sufjan didn't do the whole entire soundtrack. He just has a couple of songs on there, mm -hmm. but it just kind of reminds me of that movie soundtrack. And I kind of go, "Man, they should have just let Sufjan score that movie." Right. 
Um, Maybe. And it does, to me, I think the BQE is like listening to a movie soundtrack. I think that's the closest parallel. Yeah. It's just a, a movie. The movie is watching like cars. On, I actually haven't seen the film, the BQE. I, I think I have a memory of it back when it came out, but it was just kind of like footage of the BQE. I don't think there was much going yeah. on. I think there were hula hoopers maybe on it. The Pitchfork review kind of panned it a little bit. They were like, ah, it's like, compared to the music, it's just kind of, like, lifeless. <laughs> yeah. Um, one of my favorite is Interlude 1, the dream, dream sequence in something. What is it? Oh, wow. You interlude went for one, an interlude. Dream sequence in subby circumnavigation. Yeah. This is pretty cool, isn't it? What is Subby? What is Subi? Is that a thing? Subi? Because he mentions no it again later. Look, if you go down, there's another Subi. Subi track. And again, he's doing his kind of classic not classic, but his titles have those, what? Like he's just, obviously I can't help but feel like it's an inside joke for those that live in New York mm -hmm. around the BQE. Mm -hmm. That's just what I assume is why I don't get it. Yeah. But yeah, that that's a good pick. I wouldn't have picked that one, but now that we're listening to it, it's good. the bqe for me its importance is more on on what we talked about sufyan truly being an artist yes and i think that's what makes it compelling and it if i could even go, be as pretentious to say it's inspiring to me to follow the voice within and not worry so much about the voices out out there Mm, mm -hmm. And you probably will relate to that more as a musician, but if you start getting consumed with what do people want from me and how do I keep the train moving and how do I keep people happy, that tends to destroy good art and probably destroys the soul too. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a bit of a, you know, I, I feel like art theory is kind of like, theology and that it's like everybody likes to define it mm -hmm. and what you're saying is true in a sense but in a way, another way it's not true because you're still you still have an audience and you're still like serving people you know and i think about what people will think when i listen to it and i think there's a certain amount of healthiness in that mm -hmm. um it's not completely just internal work yeah it's also like how do you exist in the world and how do you present the work so yeah. I don't know. I, I I feel like the more I kind of talk about art and like what art is and the right way to make good art, the more I'm just kind of like, oh, there it's it's just completely a mystery. Like nobody yeah. knows anything. Cause, because as soon as somebody goes, oh, well, this is what you have to do. Like you need to kind of, yeah, follow your inner voice, serve your own desires when you're making art. Then you come up against somebody who makes amazing art who isn't doing that at all. 
and you're like that's true oh th- there's always an exception and so i just kind of am like uh yeah i don't know I, i'm trying this is something that radiohead talks about a lot actually in the studio they'll just like constantly keeping each other accountable it's like stop thinking so much stop thinking so much don't think about yeah. it just do it and yeah i think that's and i, I mean i think that that's what Sufyan does as well is just kind of like yeah doesn't define that's, it really i guess that's such a good point it's almost like it's not even thinking i'm doing this it's not even thinking well everybody wants illinois or in a way it's almost just this thing is wonderful and i'm going to make it and and not trying to make a statement with it is actually the best statement yeah Totally. And not, I think, always reflecting on what you're doing and why you're doing it. Just yeah. doing it, you know? And just, yeah, cause, because I think, you know, something, this is something I was talking to an artist friend about the other day is like, you can take big risks, and everybody talks about taking big risks. But I've also been kind of like in a place where I've been like, okay, I'm taking a risk. This is going, this has better pay off. It's like there's like some kind of like art god up there who's like, if you take a risk, I promise it will be successful. It's like, no, a risk can also fail. You know, like sure. it wouldn't be a risk if it wasn't a failure. And so I think when you get too kind of caught up in the in the process, you can lose sight of what just what it is, which is just making stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. And I I think um it makes Sufjan that much more interesting and somewhat elusive, which it, it, which it, I think is his appeal, too. Yeah. Is that you don't necessarily know what his next release is going to sound like or what it might be about. Yeah. And it might just be a freeway overpass in New York, and it might be a 40-minute instrumental. And I think I think it's the intrigue of Sufjan that, that is why he has such a fan base that he has. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Totally. And it goes back to what you were saying earlier. It's like, he's not trying to, like, foil everybody. He's not, like, being like, ha-ha, I have a public image, and I'm gonna... And I'm gonna... Oh, if he was trying to, it'd be so stupid. Yeah. The thing about Sufran is that I don't think he's trying to do anything. Yeah. And I think that's why it's more compelling. He's not... It's not like he's trying to... I think... I think he just wanted to make something, and he made it. Yeah. Well, Jor, anything else you want to say about the BQE? Um, I mean, I guess what I would say is that this... Okay, here's the thing. Like, often I remember when I was younger being like, ah, oh, um, a lot of art maybe I was like, this is really dense, or this is really too weird or something. And I think that there's a lot of subconscious kind of cultural effect that happens as time wears on and then i go back and i'm like ah this actually was just ahead of its time and now i totally understand it and so i think there are a lot of like people like us who like sufyan who in their youth were like this is not they were disappointed by the bqe i would challenge them to go back and give it another listen because i actually think it's really pretty and worthwhile um i don't think it's I'm not challenging to be like, this is actually the best thing he ever did. <laughs> well, that uh, uh, we've talked about it in the past, but what is the most annoying Sufjan's fan's favorite 
song. Yeah. And I would say the annoying Sufjan fan, they would say this is their favorite album. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Like, actually, the best Sufjan album is the BQE. I just feel like, shut up. Yeah. <laughs> Sufjan probably would too. Um, but yeah, I guess, yeah, that would be my challenge. Is, and, and, and even just other things, you know, where you like kind of have your golden records, I think it's just, we've talked about this before. There's this inevitability about getting older and just kind of cementing in your golden age records. And I'm trying to like go back and listen to some other work by those artists that maybe I'm like, oh, you know, like Iron and Wine are an endless number of days. That's the only good Iron and Wine record. <laughs> yeah. It's like, no, actually, oh, what's the guy's name? Anyway, he put out a lot of great work and I just was too kind of like set in my ways to, to see it. And so I'm trying to like move out beyond my my horizons okay well that was our discussion on the bqe hey and i have a special announcement you can let us know what you think so a lot of you sometimes will tell me oh, i disagreed or do i don't like that or i like that or whatever we have a email address account that you can send your comments thoughts so what do you think of the bqe what did jordan and i miss what a, you know what's your opinion so our Gmail, it's T-W-T-W-P-E. It's that was the worst podcast ever, uh, just the first letters, at gmail.com. Send us your feedback, your requests, your what you like, what you don't like. We'd love to hear from you. So again, it's T-W-T-W-P-E at gmail.com. And that'll be in the description of the, of the podcast too, right? Yeah, I'll put it in the description as well. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to hear from our dozens of listeners. <laughs> well, Jar, anything else before we go? Um, well, anything else? Huh. I mean, I guess I want to say there's a lot of themes in the BQE. One of them being traffic, <laughs> gridlock, being stuck in a place. A lot of you are feeling stuck out there in your in lockdown in grid lockdown you might say um, that's good hang in there um turn on some bqe feel related to we're gonna get through this together when this um, recession started everyone was banging pots and pans out their windows now everyone <laughs> just hates each other and is sad about their own <laughs> lives so let's just hang in there there's a vaccine coming also um Get the vaccine. Don't be an idiot. <laughs> um, yeah, that's what it, I don't know. Wow, Jordan, I feel like I can endure the next couple months now. See, that's what I do. Here's a signed baseball cap. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, man. And uh, also, uh, yeah, I don't know. No, I'm just, <laughs> I'm just doing what you're doing. It's just like just, just loving the sound of our own voices. <laughs> it's like, we can't end it. <laughs> Must hear our voices for a little longer. <laughs> All right. Well, with that said, Jordan, do you want to send us off? Yeah. So, okay. Uh, see you later, everyone. I think the dress looks nice on you. Bye. Bye. Bye.